Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, and especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. I don't even have my summary up. Oh, God, no. Jason, I hate you so much. Life comes at you fast. Hey, life does. This recording comes at me fast. Aaron, while while we're on recording, did you know that we were going to be recording on this when we were talking about Wild Bunch the other day, and you kept talking about how the ultimate male fantasy is to defend uh, a train that's uh, in motion? I thought about that. Because that's kind of a funny, ironic uh, twist for this movie. No, and also I seem like the biggest piece of shit in this movie now. <laughs> but look, I, not def- I mean, defend your, defend yourself against some sort of, you know, there's like jeeps pulling up alongside you. There's, I mean, like some sort of... You're talking about Indiana Jones than, yeah. than Hobos. I, I was yes, thinking absolutely. like... And and this comically misses the point of the the movie, of course. But I was thinking the whole time about how much I would play a video game that was like just this. It would be like one one team, yeah. like the rail guys, and then the others would be the hobos who are just trying to like get on board <laughs> by whatever means necessary. I, um, I would absolutely. I, I have I have uh, I've been playing that game Meat Grinder, which is an indie first person shooter, which is literally just convoy trains of cars that you're jumping from like that's in pretty the sick. desert and whatnot that, yeah. and you're oh, just man. like shooting people what it's like yeah that? they should just make games that are just yeah seven-year-old fantasies you know what i mean or just like, was, like, also like like it, let's it, get, did i jump from one car to the other right and like <laughs> get rid of like big broad simulators like uh like you can do everything poorly in a rockstar game and just make that's a right. video game that's literally just one set piece you know what that's I mean? why Just Cause like, was oh, so man. fun. Yeah, so Just Cause was like, uh, you're going to hop on a car, you're going to grapple to another car, and it's like, yeah, I guess you can go talk to a guy, but why would you want to do yeah. that? That's not right. fun. It's mostly That's just kind of, it's like the locomotion of that movie is, or excuse me, that game is why you play that game. It right. reminds me too of, it was an indie game called Cody's Cluster Truck. That's why we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is the bit. We're the boys unchained. Uh, there was a little indie game called Cluster Truck a few years ago. It was like, right when games started to get popular off of like, gifts on twitter and sort of let's plays and stuff um but it was exactly that it was just like a herd of moving semi trucks with like flat backs you could not stop moving like you had to keep moving forward and you just had to jump from like platform to platform to platform get to a predefined end goal while those trucks are moving underneath you is a a lot of fun like like tiktok like instagram clip like it it was but it was like ahead of that i think it was from like 2014 15 or something like that it was it's an an underrated set piece weirdly because it is very indiana jones so you would think more people would like cop to it because every time i played it in like a video game or something like i think that there's is it uncharted 4 where there's a big sequence where you're hopping from car to car yes i guess a couple of uncharted do that but But, uncharted uh, 4 is the one with it's the best part of the game it's the best part of the game it is it's like by far the best part of the game like you're a big fan of the uh of the clock tower sequence right in madagascar in uncharted 4 that's that's the one is so that is that the one the oh just, just before that yeah, yeah. God, i forgot how they smashed yeah. like two or three in there yeah. anyway that is that's the that's the big that's the one where it's like oh they spent probably 15 million dollars on this alone yeah. <laughs> just with like animations and is that the part where nathan drake gets like dragged 
uh, by a jeep in the mud for sure. a while, like out at the end of a rope. Happen, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yes. pretty. That's pretty rad. That's pretty cool. Anyway, not this. That's Game not Spot. how this movie goes. Not yeah. this. Anyway, right. uh, <laughs> while we're on Gamespot, I would like to say I think I like sure. that a lot. Actually, as like a synecdoche to the sort of bloat of modern AAA games, like instead of giving me a game that is like comprised of two hundred set pieces, none of which really work, just give me like one, and that's the whole premise one of the set game. Piece. You yeah, know what I mean? Go. And it's like it's super specialized, but that's all you do. It's just like just a train, or it's like just hopping from Honestly, car to car. Uh, oh God, yeah. I mean. We're so far down the rabbit hole, just fucking keep with it. But yes, a game where it's like maybe even like a real time simulated thing to to like Portland on the train. You know what I mean? Right? No, exactly. That'd be it's sick. Like, that'd that, be cool, that's man. the whole I mean, run, right? And like maybe maybe it's like uh, like asynchronous multiplayer, where like there there are the bums, and maybe then just generates every time. Yeah, a new and it's just like say like is it a never ending train? Like the train no, I think I think you just, just start a game and, and like matchmake, and then it's just like well, the train is going to get from here to Portland. Uh, that's going to happen, and like your score will determine. You know what I mean? That, that would mm. be great. Maybe new trains. Sure. We'll talk about DLC. It. We will talk about it. Folks. We will talk about that on this Games Pod. It's a literal roundtable <laughs> podcast where we talk about movies we saw or people we met at the Trial and Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Trial of Podcast. You can find the Trial itself at Trial and Cinema and at Trialon.org. My name is Jason Daphnis. I got a longie here, folks. Uh, it goes. I'm so sorry. I need to scroll back up. I just finished <clears> watching <throat> this movie. My fault. Um, He's got a I longie, put, folks. I, I, I got a longie, and I'm going to pitch it off right quote. now. <laughs> yeah, me too. It. I was like, I don't remember cigarettes Long. saying that, but it makes sense. <laughs> I talked with FDR, fought with Pershing, slept with Harlow, tamed tigers, drunk poison, seen the elephant, and gone over the ra- or gone over the falls. I've been on the road and with it, and I ain't moved my ass more than a foot from here in the last year. And you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. That's the podcaster's life, isn't it? Uh um, a man is not a train, and a train is not a man. I'm Harry Mack, and you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry. I feel like Jason's was what Cody's like sign off would have been. Don't worry, we'll I've never got one know. Of those two. I have a game. Oh wow! And a oh, sign. Okay, wow! Jesus pulling your weight. Right. I thought it was going to be a short and easy podcast. All right, no, 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 no. I'll cancel my eight o'clock. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> my name is Aaron, and this country's gone to hell. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at RB, please. Ain't that the goddamn truth, Aaron? Uh, we have this movie is playing as part of a series brought to life by Ernest Borgnine, playing here in April 2023 at the Trilon. Go to org for tickets. This movie is still showing one more time, maybe as of when you're listening to this, maybe two. Uh, check it out if you can. If you can't, it's also on the Internet Archive. I have made a habit of putting those links in the show notes. You can just watch it online for free. Nobody knows. And check it out whenever you can. Uh, it's a really great one. We have also coming up Bloody Sam Peckinpah in May at the Trilon. We discussed that last week during our episode on the Wild Bunch, directed by Sam Peckinpah himself. Um, I guess adjacent to this sort of similar feeling 70s movies. Check them out at the Trilon and at Trilon.org. But check out Aaron's summary, the patented Aaron Grossman summary, uh, right now. Yeah, we're talking about... Well, it's kind of hard. We're talking about Emperor of the North, directed by Robert Aldrich, uh, originally titled... Uh, Emperor of the North Pole uh, upon theatrical release. It was later changed to just Emperor of the North, at least ostensibly to not be mistaken for a Christmas movie. Uh, set at the height. Do, do you think that yes. that's because people thought Lee Marvin kind of looks like Santa? I mean, he's he doesn't have a yes. beard, but he would be a pretty good Santa. Like if you slapped a beard on Lee Marvin, Santa in probably. One film. I, I mean, would say you would probably, think so. Statistically, yes. Um, 
what is it? What's going on? Yeah, look, uh, here's here's the thing, folks. Shout out to the Wikipedia for this specific film, which has no information on, like, the production or anything to do with this film, but does have the most absurdly, like, detailed plot summary for one it's of the simplest beat, movies. Beat, yeah. Extremely, right. It's like describing, like, somebody's leg getting caught during an action scene. It's absurd. Uh, I will do a much shorter job. <laughs> Set at the height of the Great Depression, the film tells the story of the evil, malicious train conductor Shack, played by Ernest Borgnine, who guards his train, uh, number 19, with extreme violence against any and all hobos trying to ride it. Lee Marvin plays A, number one. Keith Carradine plays Cigarette, both hobos trying to ride Shack's train all the way to Portland for uh, kind of hobo honor and prestige and whatnot. Uh, a number one is older and wiser, well-versed in the ways of a ride-hitching hobo. And Cigarette is younger, more arrogant, anxious to prove himself uh, to the world. Uh, the film is not a commercial or critical success on release and hasn't really gone on to be considered a cult classic. I, however, think it's pretty neat. That's what I got. I also think, also think it's pretty neat. It is rough to consider that this movie released in the same calendar year as The Sting, which it was probably... sure. Yeah, just outpaced, right? That movie got uh, fucking nominations and awards. Literally and stuff. outpaced. Eh, I don't know how fast trains go, but you know, trains go pretty fast. Yeah, um, especially if they're yeah. highballing. Especially if they're right highballing. The don't, don't get ahead. Don't get ahead of me on my game. Uh, we can talk about the vernacular of this in my Cody's Notice hmm. game. Uh, this is. I found it very fun. I found it very good. I found it horrifying. Uh, it is like I love how so many people want to just fuck around with Ernest Borgnine when he's already looking at his most like crazed, even when he's clean shaven and like looking okay in this movie, he just looks scary and people keep like towing the line with him. I think it's just a funny choice to do that in, in like 1973 was like almost 60 years old looking real fucked up. Um, it, it like, it sets the stage in that first scene before the credit, before the title even drops, uh, where Ernest Borgnine discovers a hobo uh, crawling on his train, knocks him out with a hammer, like bashed to the head, and literally bifurcates him under the train. And then this wonderful soft pop song by Marty Robbins leads in singing about men and trains. And it's just insane how this movie like starts off and goes from there. But I think it puts a lot of that, I won't say moralizing, but sort of it's like very on the face, the rich hate the poor, those with corporate interest and the means will always, you know, uh, work against the the lower class. Puts that very like front and center out on its face, hiding none of it. Often in the script, uh, when it's not on the script, it's on the screen. And so then, I think for me, it was more. I get to just sort of like bask in the tension and thrill of the story, which ends up kind of by formula a little bit until I think the very end. I found it a like a very strangely pleasing experience for how like I used the term raw to describe it earlier in the discord, how just like very jarring it can be at times and very tense that it can be at times in that very like 1970s way, but more of like, I don't know, I, I guess I'm just trying to describe the experience of watching something that is so horrifying at times and is so thrilling at times as just like kind of fun and pleasant as well. Uh, Harry, what was your experience with this movie? You, did you get to see it at the Trilon too? I did. I saw it at the Trilon uh, by myself. I I think I was a little bit more down on it than you are. Um, this to me, I like. I should I should uh, level set right. Like to me, this is like a perfect three star and a like movie. Um, I think I understand why it wasn't a huge commercial or critical success. Um, I think a lot of it doesn't work uh, for me, but. Um, like a lot of 70s movies, which is, I guess, why it's probably my favorite decade for filmmaking, um, 
the the parts of this movie that are good are not only good but also like capital i interesting in a way that makes them really fun and on a whole other level like it is still a pretty fucking awesome action movie um especially when you consider that like the two leads are are just like old guys they're just like old dudes who should not be making action movies probably doing some some pretty wild stunts throughout this movie um i there were just parts of it i found kind of annoying um to be honest i think that a lot of the like hobo uh culture and vernacular which should have been a big selling point kind of wore on me rather than um in enhancing the premise of this movie for me um i found both the main characters a number one and cigarette pretty pretty grating um as well as their their sort of central relationship and the central relationship of the film didn't work for me necessarily um however like i said i think that like in terms of like creating a subculture and creating this sort of like set of rules and regulations and ideals that that sort of like percolate within this subculture, I think this movie is doing something really interesting. And I also really liked the nature of Shaq versus A1's rivalry and how they're sort of like two sides of uh, two different sides of the same coin, right? Where where it's like they're they're both like consciously, proactively projecting a sort of mythos of themselves, but they're doing it to very different ends and to achieve very different things. And that sort of becomes the the battle at the soul of this movie. And I think that's where the politics of this movie are the most um, interesting and favorable to me, though. Um, one of the things that kind of bothers me about this movie is that despite having a very anti-authoritarian, a very class conscious um, drift, it also is kind of like weirdly finger wagging and weirdly sort of like those damn kids, like moralizing. Like I really didn't love how like cigarette is just such a dick in, in this movie throughout. And like, then you, you go on the Wikipedia and you read about it and Robert Aldrich is like, yeah, that's just because like, I hate kids basically. <laughs> and I, I think Can't that check. they should pay more attention that's to fair. To the old I think people, that's fair, right? I I don't he really says, think he says that's it's fair. as the youngest man on the podcast, though he gets he's well, just playing the card. No, it's well. Here's let me. I need to Google this for. So he was here's born let in me. No, I'm not saying that. Just 1918. Yeah, he was. Look, he he was old enough, I think, to grumble about the kids. That's my opinion. You hit a certain age, and it's nah. like I'm fine with the kid grumbling. No, no, I don't. Right. I think that as you get older, you should actually like shut up more and more about the kids because they have historically always had worse lives than you. I mean, boomers Logically, had it better than yes, but Gen it's X. okay to, it's okay to wave your fist a little bit. Eh, like just, I'm no, going to put him up right. against the wall, but you know, okay. he can, he can <laughs> wag his fist while he's doing that. Oh, he's but dead yeah, now. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think I like this movie. Um, I think it's, it's kind of fun to talk about a trial on movie that, that is like merely good. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I, I usually yes. am like very, very like, um, like exuberant in, in my praise. Like we watched the fucking Edward Yang movies and I was like, let me tell you about how this movie's going to like change your life and how it changed my life. It's actually like pretty refreshing to go to the trial on and just like watch Ernest Borgnine try to kill Lee Marvin yeah. with a hammer and chain, you know, like I actually <laughs> got a lot out of that and really enjoyed my experience. So I guess, I guess that's how I should have framed my enjoyment of this movie is like, no, what I call it like super high cinema, what I call it like exemplary of a, a genre or of the time not particularly. I don't know if I'd call it as Criterion likes to say culturally or historically significant. Just good, I think, like wearing sort of a lot of its politics on its sleeve for better or worse. And just like with really great filmmaking underneath of it and really right. like fun contextual. Like again, watching, I think I looked it up. I think Ernest Borgnine was like 56, 57 years old and 
Lee Marvin, believe it or not, was only like 49, almost 50 he in looks, this movie. He looks uh, like a crisp 65 years old. But I mean, <laughs> he, he is a hobo fresh. in this movie. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Like, also, if anything, it like it kind of goes to show you that like this is probably like legitimately a mid movie of the 1970s, right? Like like mid to below average. There's a and high, it's, like, high bar. It's yeah. so much better than anything that came out like the last five years in Hollywood. I don't know. Maybe that's just now I'm doing the finger wagging <laughs> thing. You are doing the finger wagging thing. I mean, that that's kind of my take as well is that this film is like generally pleasant. It's like a perfectly like pleasant, just like goes down. I watched this, uh, uh, I didn't have a chance to see this the trial on. I wasn't able to see it, of course, uh, as per usual. Watch this just like over Discord with, with my brother, just drinking exactly one beer. That's the perfect the experience. That's, that's, Specifically that's watching, watch this movie. Yeah, drinking one beer and watching this with Nick Grossman is the perfect experience for watching this movie. <laughs> yes, there, there's something like kind of, uh, kind of cool, I think, about how this film is like so grounded uh, in like into like doing one exact thing. It's like this film is like not entirely set within one location uh, as the train. Like it does, but it kind of might as well be right. Right. But the train, like, is this pun? I guess it's not the train, like grounds pretty much everything in the film to like that specific context in a way that I find like is usually done in other films as like kind of a gimmick. And I don't even mean that in a bad way. Something like walk, which is like a, a kind of a one shot film in a car as, as a man like drives you know and it talks on the phone and like that's like usually seen as like a gimmick which is kind of a harsh word but it's like something that like is like entirely unique about the film the same is like not really true here but i do find that like that aspect of the film helps it helps out this film to like feel very like physical and like you're really concerned with like the things that actually happen as these characters like move from one area to the train to the next, as things happen to the train. Um, It's like, it's very easy. It's like a very simple film, but I find myself kind of letting it wash over me in this weird way that that I often have trouble with, with other kind of action adventure films. Yeah. I mean, you don't need really to pay attention way too much to the plot. You don't really need a whole lot of like investment in, as I would agree with Harry that like some of the character work is fairly opaque, if not thin. Um, But like, you're right about the physicality for me being another like big selling point of it is um, like, I'm thinking of again, the opening scene where that one hobo gets cut in half, the later scenes where, uh, the shack just drops a piece of metal underneath the train, which one I'm Dude, constantly oh worried that it's going to get caught. I, well, we can have iconic a whole thing. film weapons. I was, Honestly, it, it, that like weird anti, so, like <laughs> it's so fucking menacing. And like, not only was I, you know, obviously cringing when this piece of metal, probably, you know, 10, 15 pound piece of metal is just thwacking at these guys all over their bodies from underneath a moving train at like 25 miles an hour. But I was also like, it it should be like uh it should go to say to the point like i was worried that it would get caught under the train wheels and something fucked up would happen to that because like this is shown as like a very like a hulking piece of metal that is reliant on two pieces of metal to make it not go off the rails and and fly everywhere and, and kill everybody like just the bare what i'm seeing on the screen not to you know to even speak of this stunt work and like the fact that ernest borgnine really is moving backward on a forward moving train at you know again 20 miles an hour over a bridge is actually happening before my eyes just like a very noteworthy thing to watch rather than yeah the you know the nuances of this movie are really you know like it gives me the same feeling as california split or what it's just not like in that same league of 70s movie 
I still found it, it like incredibly like easy to digest. I called it formulaic earlier because it has all those pieces of like, if you see an old guy of a certain profession or a certain way of life interacting with a young guy who also claims to be of that certain way of life, you kind of know where this movie is going to go in that respect. You kind of know that like one is going to learn from the other and you know, they're just going to like, it's going to come about. It reminds me more of like eighties movies in that respect than of seventies movies. Um, so maybe ahead of its time in not all of the best ways, but still I felt very like very engaging to watch, if not like captivating storytelling. Um, I'm really, really glad both you guys brought up the physicality, particularly the physicality of Ernest Borgnine and Lee Marvin's performances. Um, I think that that's one of my favorite things about this movie is that this movie has a way of making you sort of, um, I hate the word visceral because I feel like it's overused, but sort of like, like physically understand what it means to like be in a, like, to possess physical precarity on, on like a level that the hobos do where it's like, you know, that like if these guys get injured, it's like not the same thing as if somebody like even Ernest Borgnine gets injured. And so like, it really grounds all of the pain and all of the physical trauma that these, that these men experience as something that feels extremely real and extremely like, like high risk and high sort of like tension. And it really makes the, um, the level of violence in this movie, which is like staggering, uh, feel even much more, um, sort of like, like ever present, you know, and it, it creates a tension at the heart of this movie that is really, really fascinating. And that sort of like goes a long way to inform, like, I feel like I had sort of a physical, I, or I, I came to f- appreciate the, um, physical demands of being a hobo or being a homeless person so much more watching this movie. I was like, man, like it's actually very hard to be alive as a homeless person, right? Like that is an extremely precarious situation. And like, there is this sense in which like your, uh, like baseline Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like food, water, shelter, they take on this, like this, this meaning that they never have for people who are sort of sequestered in society or that have a a level of privilege. And it sort of like creates this very like this, this different relationship to the world and to other people um, that is sort of like almost something you would see in a movie like Mad Max, right. In like a post-apocalyptic movie. But I think it's like, it's way more impactful in a movie where that is not true of everyone. Right. Like Mm -hmm. we get to see people who have jobs, who have sort of economic security, uh, even to the point of like economic disenfranchisement. Like one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when all of the um, the yard workers at the train stations are betting on the hobos getting on board the train because that that's so communicative in just how fucked this system is. Right. Where it's like there is enough free flowing capital and enough owners of capital that are disenfranchised enough about the system and about capital that they're just sort of like throwing it away instead of sort of like like using that capital to like change things right it's like it's like here we have people like betting on whether or not these homeless people are going to be murdered by their insane boss rather than you know doing something about that system because they're just so sort of beaten down by it on all sides um that is like that is a really unique interpretation of the great depression as this sort of like post-apocalypse that i thought was really compelling in this movie and i think that the physicality of the performances go a long way toward communicating that yeah i like that you brought that up because it like 
several times people get scalded by steam or just burned by something hot and it just results in the like grossest physical uh prop of of all time yeah. being like this gross buttery looking skin of a burn and it's like well shit lee marvin's really gonna need to deal with that like it's not yeah. quite like a whole thing for the whole movie but it, it you, you do realize like no he can't go anywhere for, and they, for they like, go great pains to great pains to show that to you right yes. it's like they make sure you see the burns on these guys yeah. they make sure you see the like the injuries that they're sustaining exactly um like there's that that sort of what you call precarity that sort of physical precarity I, it like not to move to another point before aaron's had to say here but like it sort of develops this embodied between um, Lee Marvin, a number one and, uh, and Keith Carradine, the, um, what the hell was his name? Cigarette. Cigarette. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, it sort of develops this or is embodied best in them. This sort of like hierarchy of, I guess, hobo like culture, wherein the more experienced, the ones who've had a worse time of it, the ones who've sort of paid their dues, uh, are like, they earn the right to do like to move through the world in that way where, uh, Keith Carradine cigarette has moved through it for approximately 30 days or maybe that's just uh, uh a number one sort of making fun of him but he has not been in it long his clothes are still fairly clean his face is still fairly clean his haircut's still pretty new um and it like it's that sort of like it's those scars those burns those like life experiences that he's had that develop like walls between people in that subculture which i don't know that i like the particular messaging of i not i don't really like where the movie ended up in terms of those two characters i would have rather that again like they sort of both contributed or both realized or both uplifted one another. i mean that's not really what the 70s were about in movies but i guess i guess what we're saying about the physical precarity of the situation the fact that death is always near and injury is almost always death is like it's feeding that idea of these even within the subculture where means are you know very limited there's still like a sense of pride hierarchy a relationship of the subculture of sub of the subculture to the world that it exists in and sort of like mirroring that you know still like there are still there's still a form of i won't say class because that's very loaded but still a form of like uh no interestingly that is the line that lee marvin has a number one says to cigarette at the end of this movie you have no class which is obviously a funny ironic line but also like there's there's a something there to dig into right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i here's what i'll kind of I, I think i like agree mostly with what you're saying uh i guess you and harry here and that like i do think there is that kind of physicality to it i do think it is important but i think it is also um you know i think harry said a little bit about like this film shows a little bit about like how hard it is to be homeless and to be a hobo and like how that contrasts against uh, you know, the uh, Borgnine, who's like generally representative of, you know, the system, I guess you could say, right? Like, obviously, this this corporation that's that's uh, owns the railways and whatnot. Um, but I also think that, like, there is an aspect of it where, like, it's kind of important that, like, these hobos are, like, not just trying to survive, right? Like, they are very mm-hmm. specifically not doing anything that will kind of that's help a very them. good they, point they are riding this train purely to fuck with this man to say that they can do it right like yeah. this right, is yeah. a, a, like a, a film that that sits in like this this very classic genre of films in like the late 60s and early yeah. 70s it's cool hand Luke, like, right where where it's yes. like they're just doing this to sort of defy smoking you know? the bandit right? right just about just assholes just fucking with people just just the boss man you know what i mean just like doing what they can to give the boss man the middle okay fingers. um and i 
I want, I kind of want more of those, just like just doing some shit and getting in trouble and like running from cops and stuff. Um, and yeah. I, I find that like very kind of refreshing and there's no like real good reason for them to be riding all the way to Portland. But you know what? There's, there's something about the free spirit of it, you know, in the heart of the great depression when everybody's getting screwed over, except for people at the very, very far on the top yeah, yeah. and, uh, just, just riding the trains just to do it, you know, just to put your little, your tag up on top of a tower somewhere saying that I was the one who, who rode the number 19. It's like. I don't know. It's, it's more like kind of uh, American, like myth making BS that we talked about uh, on the, the wild bunch episode, but like, I don't know, I'm going along with it. No, I dig it. I've, I dig it too. And like, I think that like, that's very central to this movie's theme, right? Like that's even what the, the title refers to, right? Is emperor of the North pole, which is this ironic phrase that was uh, ostensibly really used by hobos referring to how sort of like the hobos ultimate goal is to be like the king of empty space right like the king of like a wasteland it's like who gives a shit who the emperor of the north pole is right because there's nothing on the north pole you're the but best like, at not owning property and right and not the best at, the best at being a bum yes. and it's like but like despite the irony like the 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 point of this movie is that like it doesn't it doesn't matter like they they can embrace that irony while still um wanting and desiring that uh, status just because of the hope it represents, right? Which is, I think, why the disenfranchisement this movie gets at is so important, right? Because it's like, it turns out that A number one and Shaq, they're both kind of doing the same thing where they want to represent something. It's just that mm-hmm. A one wants to represent hope for like, all people like him, right? Like he wants to like represent heart. He wants to represent this idea that like men can't be defeated. It's like that unbelievably maudlin song at the beginning of this movie. Like if a man has a dream, he can go forever just on that dream. Whereas like, (laughs) yeah, it's so bad, man. Uh, but, uh, and and like all the hobos love a number one, right? He inspires them. He is like an icon to them. Whereas even like Shaq's crewmates and Shaq's like, um, the members of his company, they hate Shaq or they're afraid of him because like he represents the opposite, right? He represents sort of like capital and like uh, the system that is perpetrating this wealth inequality um, by force and violence. And um, so I think it's like, it's really important, right? That like these, these people are people who are fighting over something that is like, purely symbolic and purely ideological which is which is a both supposed to be sort of like ironic and sad but also like important and also furthermore i think i would say that like it's it's interesting right because like it it really like um it casts uh shacks ideology in like an even harsher light right because it's like there's not really any reason why he needs to defend this train right except for his own like evil edification. There's a rule. There's right. laws for a reason, Harry. But like, it's like he literally just exists to sort of like be this person who is like, actually like you guys aren't human. You don't deserve to exist. And so I'm going to like remove you from yeah. this train. Um, and I think that that that's an important aspect of the fact that their, uh, their whole like sort of combat that consumes their lives is so pointless from the outside. Is it, it has both of those meanings at once. Yeah, I think, I think it's interesting that both of those roles for both cigarette and uh, a number one just sort of like develop naturally between them as a part of this, uh, you know, I'm totally like wick brained at this point, but this sort of this world building under the, you know, below like a certain level of uh, class system that exists that among that, like 
yeah, there is survival, but like Ari was saying, uh, Ari, like Aaron was saying, more than that, like they give meaning to like their lifestyle beyond like plum survival. And like just because of the nature of that being um, somewhat competitive, like they find meaning in like the camaraderie and competition of being the first to do X, the best to do X, the one with the most experience, those roles as like a cigarette being the young pissant and a number one being the crotchety old man who, uh, you know, sort of tells him to pull himself up as bootstraps, so to speak they just sort of naturally evolve from that. I mean, I think it's not wasted on this movie that those things obviously are mirrored in, you know, like classes above theirs. Um, and that maybe they're like absorbing some of that as well, but they are finding like ways and uh, sort of uh, without sounding patronizing, like, yeah, a meaning to their existence beyond and like displaying that beyond just plum survival beyond the, as, um, as a number one tells cigarette at the very end, like, you know, glad handing and crying for people and all that kind of stuff. I think that's just like the table stakes of existing as somebody who's homeless. And there, and the whole movie has been these little, you know, vignettes, use cases, uh, case studies of, what it you know means to have a meaning in this in this life to like to find things to to like exemplify and show the world you're not just i guess like in a way they are themselves building and being built by the little subculture that subculture that they've got the you know not little subculture gigantically huge subculture in the great depression um but like these the multiple you know the many thousands of people displayed in this movie who are disadvantaged uh they are like they're contributing to that idea that this is uh you know that these conditions are not chosen by them but that they are like th that they've chosen some way to like find a purpose right. within it i guess yeah yeah i mean i think it's really important what you said where where it's like these are people who who lost right and know they lost who have been sort of abandoned by their country and by the world. Um, it, the opening scroll says that. A number one says that. It's it is the backdrop, right? The the Great Depression is like, well, like we have profoundly failed these people, and instead of sort of like reckoning with that, we are going to pretend that it's their fault and shove them aside and try to dehumanize them. Um, these people don't have the um, the resources uh, to oppose a system like that, right? They have to live in the world as it exists, but they can find meaning even within that, right? It's it's sort of like like you had said, it's like. Um, a, a number one's like quest in this is, is existential, right? He's like, he's out to prove that he can still sort of make meaning for himself. He can still be the emperor of the North Pole, even if he has to fight for the North Pole itself, right? Even if like you can sort of take away everything that, that a man is, but you can't take away the fact that he's a man in, in this movie's terms, right? In, and, um, what I was saying about Ernest Borgnine's character is that I think that the fact that this uh, movie strips down the dialectic um, conflict at the heart of that to its bare essentials, right? Like it takes away the sort of like economic drive that Shaq maybe has. It takes away sort of like uh, it, anything other than the sheer ideology, which is just that the only reason why Shaq wants to kill these hobos is because he hates them because he has to hate them because that's his like worldview that's his understanding of the world it's like that's how he derives meaning just like a number one derives meaning from like breaking the rules and sticking his uh, finger in the eye of authority and it's like oh like that's what the system is right it's like it's it's about like people versus this thing that that is out to dehumanize and destroy like purely because like that is 
that is the ways in which they're similar, right? Is that like the guys on the outside, they have to find meaning by opposing this system because the system defines meaning as oppressing these people, right? It's like um, capitalism requires precarity, right? It's like people like Shaq need hobos. They need hobos to feel like they have any place. Um, and that's sort of the idea that, that the movie's playing with. That is the idea the movie's playing with. But there is also, not, not that this like negates what you're saying, but there is also an aspect of this that is like pure absurdity. Right, like this is a. I mean, if you really like, yes, I had this thought while watching this film that this this is like not quite, but it is like fifty percent of the way to being like Roadhouse. Yeah, like it's kind of, it's absurd. I love that Ernest yeah. Borgnine is like just like the most evil train conductor. You know, it's 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 like he has red pupils. Silly? Like he just looks like yes. Satan. It's great. He like uncompromisingly evil at every turn and in a. And he has, like, a, a notoriety about him that, like, I, I guess I don't know exactly how, like, train scheduling works or, like, how often a train moves through a region or whatnot. But the idea that he's Where just, are like, you going with this? undeniably known as, like, the most evil. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, the number 19. And, like, how many trains are there? But, like, how? Yeah, I mean, what sort of code fucking, is there that like identifies the sort I mean, of figure as like I don't know, the, man. the Darth right? Vader of trains? Yeah, yeah. I feel you like the, I mean? ninth, the ninth or tenth time you kill somebody with a hammer while they're riding on your train, you probably start to accrue a reputation. <laughs> I, I, how, how does how does anybody? Here's the other thing: the 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 like almost like hawk like level that Borgnine is able. Or, you know, Borgnine's character is able to identify people hopping on his train. Every Dude, single time someone tries to hop on a train, he's like, head on a swivel. He, he has like fucking sees like them every single time. You think it would be semi easy so to good. run out of the woods for like three seconds and get on a train and not be seen? Every single time. Yeah, but Every he's fucking, he's he's fucking Shaq, dude. Like, what are it's, you going to do? That is ironically one of my favorite things about this movie, though, right? Easily. Like, I think yeah. that, like, I love the idea that, like, and I, I think it's actually again. kind of part and parcel to this movie's politics that, like, they are recasting these, um, this sort of, like, absurd, stakeless, and kind of, like, ridiculous sad and a little bit pathetic story as something that is mythic in scope right it's like it's not about homeless people with absolutely nothing to look forward to in their lives hopping on trains for fun it is this epic battle between good and evil right and like i think that like myth mythologizing it like that is really important to what this movie's doing to the point where like at first i thought that the the music in this movie was really annoying like i thought it was really arch and really like sentimental and the, ridiculous uh, oh the that, 1930s that, that the chase scene with the 1930s like old-timey jukebox music yeah. Like, I, I found that, that funny in an ironic no, way but i mean like by I the guess. end of the movie i i think i kind of liked it because it was like I, I honestly thought that like and and I'm not necessarily giving the movie credit for this, but like there's one scene for instance where um like Lee Marvin and, and Keith Carradine both like beaten to hell having been thrown off the train. They just pick themselves back up and they're in this fucking junkyard off the side of the oh, yes. and they're they're trying to climb up to the tracks again and they keep stumbling and falling down because they're trying to climb on garbage and they're playing the like the most triumphant fucking like Sergio Leone Daniel yes. Morricone soundtrack over the top of it where it, where it's like you would think we were watching like the Lone Ranger uh, they, like, they play that for like the next five minutes as Carradine uh, and Marvin, I guess, like 
pick up several buckets, just like yeah, the buckets yes, time sifting through some garbage, picking up several buckets, and the whole time it's in the back. I'm like, yeah, and, you know, it's and like, like what the fuck is going on? Right they're now? broken down like stinking hobos, right? It's like they're wearing dirty clothing. They look beat up. They're bloodied, you don't have and, to use and that it's kind like of language. I just I think mean, I think it's I mean that's a little insensitive. Here. I think that's the point, right? I think that like like juxtaposing the sort of like the traditional triumphant like um epic scale of the sort of like American frontier yeah. with this sort of like very ironic uh heroes that we have, it it has the effect of doing what uh like a number one is doing, which is that like the irony exists, yes, but also I am actually recasting it, right? It's like like we can we can believe that a number one is both uh, a a homeless person with with no prospects and no future, and like a god hero, right, who is going to redeem humanity <laughs> through his uh, wisdom and generosity and ferocity. Um, and, like, I think that there's something very, like, American myth-making that I actually do sort of love about that, even if it's very, very silly, like you said. I think it is very silly. I think that works very much for it. It makes me wonder, for most of the movie, in summation, probably less so, but, like, while watching it, if it, like, it made, it made me ride that line for a little while of, like, is this ironically mythologizing, like, this story, or is it straight up just, like, yeah, this is sort of a story we wanted to tell, and we're just, like, pl- putting the homeless lifestyle we're putting a 1930s lens on it for like the color and the character you know there are several lines that are just really ham-handedly like the the coal shoveler and the conductor guy have a conversation while they're eating about like man don't get to eat this good very much and he's like yeah these times it's good to be eaten at all and then the whole scene just keeps moving like some of the scripting does not serve my read of it that's yes. like oh this yes. is this is being ironically you know uh, sort of like poking at the at the tropes and at the form of these like sort of more slightly more I mean I won't say it for the violence but like in terms of the actual concept slightly more family friendly slightly more like slide down your gullet type movies with like these really darkly uh, comic concepts like being played for either humor or thrills or laughs or whatever. Uh, and, and part of me is like, no, it's, it's just not altogether always that well-written, but in any, like no matter which one it is, no matter which track it's on, like, Hey, listen, guys, the train gets to its destination. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just don't I don't know if it goes far enough. You know, like I I am loath to say this, but like, unfortunately, of all people, Quentin Tarantino has a pretty good critique of this movie on mm. the Wikipedia where he's just like, yeah, like it it like it looked like it was this hyper violent, like claw hammer, like like beat down uh, slug match. But actually, it like ended up being this kind of sort of like corny 1930s, like like period. And he's like a little For bit sure. right. Right. Yeah. It's like I think what what Aaron said is exactly right, where it's like this movie's like 50 percent of the way to Roadhouse. I wanted it to be Roadhouse like 100 percent or like um, I kept thinking about how like something like brute force. Uh, is like a more successful version of this movie because like uh, like the Robert Forster character in that, I think that's his name, I'm probably wrong, um, is like he's similar to a number one in this in that he is just like this like symbol of the sort of like righteous inmate, right? But like in this movie, a number one has all of these super annoying, like preachy monologues and shit. <laughs> like the movie ends with one. And like, again, the movie does kind of an interesting job of problematizing it and making it feel kind of ineffectual. Right. Because like 
for one, like a number one has failed to like pass anything on to his student. He ends up throwing his student from the train and then he just sort of like shouts at him and like he's shouting him as at him as the train gets further and further away. And he just goes on and on. It's and like a minute of talking. Yeah. And eventually the credits just start playing and he's like, he's like, rah, 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 rah. and it's like, dude, you're like, at this point, you're like three miles away from this kid you tossed in the river. Like he can't hear you dog, but like, he's just carrying on. And like, I I I thought that that was very funny. I don't know if like the movie wanted you to think that was funny. I think that like like uh, a number one saying like oh you had the you had the juice but you didn't have the heart, kid. And they come from or they're they're both involved or they come from the same place. Is like that's a ridiculous line. But like I think that like and and maybe it's it's trying to walk that line right where it's it's both ridiculous and it's true and maybe yeah. it can be both. But I just think that like when this movie like kind of tries to be to take itself seriously, it just kind of fumbles. Like, I think that like basically all the scenes in the like hobo encampments are like pretty insultingly stupid. Like the, the scene with the Turkey, Oh no, this is a dog. Like you're going to have to bark. And then, you know, like that's, that's the sort of stuff that's like, it feels like it's like grade school humor or something. Yeah. And it just like, I don't know. I didn't like it that much. Um, a low but point. like I, I did, when this movie like gets out of its own way, it really gets moving. The as soon as the train pulls onto the bridge and you sort of know what's going to happen, where Borgnine has decided he has a foolproof way to like scan for hobos on his train, you know that scene's gonna be fucking crazy, right? Like the fact that they've built in into the writing this character is is like nefarious enough to know they can't get away if there's like there's no land on either side that would like it's moments like that that make me think i'm fucking back in and then it's moments yeah, like just like turkey that are like where where are we with this movie we could cut like a solid 20 minutes and not lose much yeah. i guess also just like the sheer iconoclasm of like both like borgnine has multiple signature weapons in this movie and like uh the the trilon took their inspiration for the poster from this movie, which is just Ernest Borgnine as Shaq holding like the hammer that he uses. At one point, he throws it with perfect accuracy off of a moving train <laughs> to nail Keith Carradine, which is amazing. Uh, he kills somebody with it in the first scene in which he appears uh, and throws him under a car. It's like um, Hitman Two, where you can zoom in on anybody's head and just rock exactly, some, and it just homes, head, homes yeah. in on them, even if they're like driving away on a jet ski. Um, and then like. Uh, I, I cannot, I know we talked about it already, but I cannot get over how good the like terrifying anti-hobo like rope that Borgnine uses in this where like they introduce it like it's the main villain of the series where like he, he slowly walks down the train with it and he's unspooling it and you're like, it's just a big lead weight on the end of a rope. And the whole time you're like, Oh God, that can't be what I think it is. That's not what I think it is. And you know that it is what you think it is. And sure <laughs> enough, he fucking throws that thing down there. And then it's just going fucking wild under the, uh, the train it's like car. A bullet. Yeah. Yeah. With, with the hobos. And they're just like, ah, fuck. Ah, shit. And it's like, it's the most like uncomfortable I've been watching a movie because I, I'm like, Oh my God, that looks like it hurts so fucking bad. It like, they do like such I a handle that. I feel like just me. I mean, me personally, it's like, and then the guy, they, then he grabs the rope and he like pulls it up, and it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. But what, what, that what, been what about one. when? What about when it hits your balls? What about it when it hits your berries? When it hits your bread? Yeah, basket? I wouldn't let it. Hit, I would just would close my legs so it would hit my balls. This is not a hard thing to. I don't know. Cigarette was. I mean, effing up there. You just grab the. It's fine. It happened. I, you can't, you can't grab it when you're also, in the back. Look, 
look, here, here's the, first of all, you can. Okay, for, that's number one. Number two, why every single time they jump on board a train, except when they jump from, like, a, a bridge, they get underneath one of the train cars. Worst spot to be. I mean, that's where the wheels are. That's where the ground is. I mean, you want to position yourself somewhere a little further up on the train. This presumably, is my personal presumably, 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 Shaq has locked the doors up top and he's scanning all the time in between the uh, train cars. No problem. He can see straight through them. There's windows through every one, dog. He could. They couldn't you hide can, long. You can find a spot to hide. They were I hiding think, in those I think little uh, construction. I think it's pointed that. I think it's worth remembering, Mister Cinema Sense, yeah. that both the the show the the coal uh, uh, mm-hmm. shoveler and the conductor guy both had yep. reasons to be on that train that don't involve finding the hobos but there's yep. like literally Shaq is the only guy whose only job is to look for hobos well, i guess conductor. the other i, I guess he's the conductor. Uh, but what else is he doing he's just telling them to go to stop he, and right. to look for the hobos like that's this his whole thing not understanding the valuable role that management plays in any organization okay everybody just wants to say you can get by with individual contributors and then things start to break down okay and uh, hey, uh, the jokes how about, run its course. But. How about that fucking steam cannon that they have at the front yeah, of the ow. car? And the the whole point is just it redirects the steam from the engine so that you can blast hobos with it. That's crazy. Another that, that's a dangerous weapon. I don't another know how I iconic weapon. I would have met my match on that. Wait, one. wait, wait, wait. You, you would rather face a fifteen pound hunk of flying metal underneath a tra- <laughs> while you're hanging underneath the train? I would deal with it. Then like, then like I would deal with it. Then like I'd steam a jet you would simply catch it and grab it, and then he'd know where you were, and then he would stop the train. He knows where I am when I start yelling anyway. You know he what would, I mean? He like, would fill your body with steam, like when you touch one of those pee balloons in Super Mario World, and you go boop, and you start floating It's just around. absurd That's they hop be. on a train, and the first thing they do is like, yeah, let's recreate that scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. The, you know, <laughs> the really good part where he's underneath the truck that's got a lot of fun yeah. and not perilous. That's oh, why I'm going to um, jump on board this train, <laughs> sir. One one other thing. Well, we're sort of just shit posting, but like, what was going on? Like, no offense to this movie, which again I, I liked a lot, but like that climax is like the most un. It's like the most forced thing. Where like like cigarette just first he betrays a one right, which is good. That makes sense. Whatever. But then like his big plan is just to get back on the train. And then he gets back on the train just openly after making yeah. a like a, a big stink about how he's going to be the greatest hobo who ever lived, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. He's too tough. And then like Shaq shows up and it's like he mm-hmm. forgot that Shaq was on the train. Cigarette is immediately like, oh, fuck. Oh, God. What <laughs> oh, do I do no. now? And it's like, bro, like what? Like I, I thought he had yeah. some kind of plan. I thought he was going to like attack Shaq and then lose. But he is immediately like stumbling backwards over himself. And then a number one has to come and save the day. And it's like, why did you get back on the train, motherfucker? It's Big so head. stupid. Yeah. I, I also don't want to. I don't want to come off too. You know, I'm sure it's very hard to to jump off and on trains and whatnot. But like, there's there's several shots, especially near the end there, where he's just like looking down at where he needs to jump to in order to escape from Shaq. And it's like eight feet. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's a, you could do that one. You could jump down there. That's pretty. Also, the train's not moving fast at that point. So it's like, just, just jump off the train. You're going to get hit with a hammer. Just jump off the train. It's not, it's going 10 miles an hour right now. Also, it's, 
again, very funny. And like, I, this is not a quote unquote cinema sin because like, this is just how movies like this work. But it is really funny that like the whole movie is about them, like finding these sneaky, clever ways to sort of like deter the train so they can get back on. And then at the end of the movie, he just goes up and, and fist fights Shaq. He just fucking like boxes Shaq just to death, hits him right? With it's just like, they just, they just have yeah. like a fist fight slash like weapon fight at the end. Of, and it's yeah. just like, why didn't you just immediately do that? Yeah. <laughs> why, my, my brother you- and I were joking. We're just like, just get a gun. I mean, just game <laughs> over. Just, just one gun done. Surely the hobos can figure that one out, right? I, I, I will say the climax. I wish, I wish it had just been more bloody and more violent. Like it was discomfort. Yeah. It was uncomfortable enough to see the the uh, fire extinguisher or the um, fire axe go through Bergnine's arm and the splurt of blood, and it's beautiful and red in the seventies way. But like then he just pushes him off in like sort of a jaunting, jeering way. And again, it's like oh, it's the moral victory. He's kicked off his own train, and like he lives to tell the tale, kind of thing. But I wish I had just seen his guts or his head come off or something like that. it would just like pink this movie with something real gross i feel like that would have pushed it over the top into like that ironic mythology like place that i wish it had gone like committed to more of throughout they should have like thrown him in front of the train right just like sort of like like like, put put his body on his neck Mm. and just like dragged him straight to the front Mm -hmm. of the train while it was moving or something that would have been really cool also again this is just a complaint right but like the the fight is good i think it's a pretty good fight um even if i think it's a little bit one-sided uh in a number one's favor after the beginning but um they don't fight on the actual train cars right there there's just like an extra empty car at the back that they fight on and that felt like kind of a, a missed opportunity to me i wanted them to sort of be like hopping from train car to train car yeah and like really making use of the space but you know there was there was a lot of that throughout the movie i mean i think that we legitimately get some pretty great train stunts in this um so i was i was relatively satisfied on that score for real yeah i will watch this movie again likely someday um we're at about an hour. I want to open up the junk drawer to you folks for any final thoughts. I realize we've kind of been doing junk drawer-ish stuff, yeah, but not formally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anybody else uh, have anything left before we head yeah, to the second Yeah, I've got one more bit? thing, which is just that I think we brought it up before, but like, I fucking love the the opening like Star Wars credit scroll in this movie. It's like, it does the perfect job of setting up what type of movie this is going to be, where it's like, it's, it's again, it's like the Dollars trilogy, where like in a few dollars more, there's like that amazing opening where they're like, they were called Bounty hunters they tracked the scum of the earth for money they had to be just as bad dot 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 or even worse or something like that right and in this it's like 1931 the height of the great depression hobos and like you you can almost see hobos being like blade runner style like a different font and color because it's like one of the like keywords that you're gonna have to learn (laughs) yeah uh and and it's like and the conductors who lived only to stop the hobos from getting on the trains, which were their only <laughs> the means of survival. Yeah, yeah, it's like I I just love that. Like this is like um, it, it's like in elementary school when you would like play in snow forts and like you developed these like crazy elaborate like uh, alliances and like like sort of myths about your sort of like your fort versus your enemy's fort and it's like it's all bullshit right but it's like it was so important to you and like that was kind of the feeling that i got is that like even in this ridiculous vacuum like people are going to make these things um and i really like that about this movie i think it, it's like a really unique and fun um premise for a movie even now right like i think that there's something so gloriously 1970s about like undermining 
the epicness of your movie at every turn by making it about homeless people and train conductors. You know, it, it's just like it's it's so low stakes and at the same time so high stakes. And and there's something really great and subversive about that. Yeah, that juxtaposition is great. Uh, kept coming, kept bringing to mind Mad Max. We already talked about it, but before this movie was even shown to any of us, I thought this sounds like this synopsis makes it sound exactly like the humongous pursuing Mad Max through or Mad Max trying to get one up on like the wasteland nuclear fallout, like mutant guys, just the most nutso shit in description. A I mean, this is wild in, in practice, but this could absolutely be a mid Mad Max movie with like, oh, yeah, an hour play, yeah. of Mad Max with trains. That's oh yeah. That would be fucking great, dude. Game Are over. you kidding me? Yeah. Good shit. Good shit. Uh, well then if we're out of junk to our thoughts, I will open up to a uh, good grief, man. Give me a gif. I want to know what you want to put out as the episode gif with this episode on Twitter. Um, I'll go first since there's a smaller number of us. I really liked the shot of Harry was referencing before where the hobos and uh, the workers are putting money down on whether or not um, a, a number one's going to make it. Uh, and it's just this from underneath their hands, uh, just sort of like, I think they've removed the tables so that you're just seeing the hands and the cash and it slowly peels back and Borgnine shack is there. Uh, sort of like laying down his own money and it's a very nefarious like imposing moment no audio or anything really like that shot um i really <laughs> i found it bizarre like sort of scene setting or excuse me uh sort of a, a flavor setting moment in this movie when lee marvin being attacked by other hobos uh for his chicken that he's just recently captured off this camera. was this was gonna be about the first thing i mentioned jason <laughs> please go on <laughs> like it's it's a crazy scene and there are a lot of gifable moments but when he's just beating the shit out of children, like one adult and two kids. He's just throwing them around this Glen. And then one of them like tries to make a stand against him and he just mad dogs the shit out of this kid and runs away. <laughs> it's an incredible shot. I love that. Uh, well, also worth noting that uh, like a, like a fucking Yakuza hero, uh, he like beats these children with the chicken at multiple <laughs> points during that fight. Like he just straight up swings the chicken full force into a child's head and it's the child good. is like knocked over and sent reeling. It's so fucking good. <laughs> uh, Aaron, did you have any thoughts that you really wanted to see become gifts for this? I like all those, but you need something with a train, I think. You need something yeah. with a moving train and them being on it. I would say maybe the one where they're jumping off the bridge. I don't know if that's like a... Yeah, maybe the one where they're jumping off the bridge to get onto the moving train. Uh, maybe the one where they're hanging from the bottom in the moving train. Maybe just shots of the train moving through, you know, the, the mountains and whatnot. I, just uh, a moving train is, uh, is my answer. This guy's got Any a single shot of the brain. Train. Um, okay, yeah, I've got a brain. few... Uh, this one's sort of courtesy of Kelly. She mentioned it uh, this this morning, but um, there is a, a point when Ernest Borgnine's character Shaq is making this point to this guy who thinks he's not that much shit, where he grabs the dude's chair while the dude is sitting in it and slams it down with such force that the chair breaks underneath the guy, and he's just like sent on his ass. Um, that's a really amazing moment. Um, there's a there's an iconic moment which like you kind of got to give it up for Shaq dastardly though he is like there's this point where like they're just like getting ready to leave the station and they're all like doing their sort of like um their prep work to like go on their journey and uh like Borgnine just opens up this like compartment in the lead car and there's just a bunch of his hammers there <laughs> and he just gets one out and kind of like tests it 
and then he like puts it back and then he gets out another one and he tests that one too and it's just like fuck yeah man like there he is <laughs> like that's that's our boy right there um that's a really good one um the anti-hobo device would be a really good one too i think just maybe like if we could do a super cut of like Borgnine, like lowering it down and cackling like a madman while it's like going nuts down there and maybe like destroying Carradine's face and balls that would be good <laughs> i want to see more of that uh more of the balls more of the balls well thanks guys uh that is good grief to give me a gift i expect to see at least a few of these when the movie goes out uh when the episode goes out i'm so sorry i've been drinking one of the finest in the land uh, as we record this podcast um but we have one final segment uh and it will be shorter than it, than it usually is um we can't call it by the trademark name uh, but I'm not really uh, up, up to thinking about alternative names. So we're going to play a game. Um, I also don't have a really great name for the game itself. It has to do with the I could, uh, of this I could introduce this final segment for us if you'd like, if, Jason. Yes, please. I mean, if, if you're, vote, if you're uh, offering, please. Yeah. <gasps> Noties. <gasps> Whoa. Okay. Uh, we have a new standard set at 58 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, for the game that we're going to play at the end of this episode, um, which I, again, don't have a proper name for, but I do have uh, a number. So the rules basically are, I'm going to give you a word that appears in this movie um, that has that may be the first time you've heard it. It, it, is, uh, it is vernacular, either in uh, sort of like hobo code or just period lingo. Um, and if you are familiar with it, you have a leg up. I'm assuming neither of you are. Uh, you can go ahead and, uh, and, and wager a guess. I'll give you multiple choice. Uh, whoever gets the most wins or a tie. Um, I do realize that this, I had to recuse myself from the actual um, uh, competition as one, I know the answers, but two, because I realized this is an opportunity to pit two Titans directly against each other with no interference. Two Titans of the Cody's Nodies uh, mythos themselves uh, get to now duke it out for, I don't know, temporary bra- bragging rights, but game starts with, does everybody understand the rules? We've got multiple choice on, on what the word means. I'll use it in context from the movie and then each of you gets to vote. Uh, okay. So, Used in reference to hee-haw Mike, someone whom Cigarette seems to claims to have killed in Texas, is the word yeg, Y-E-G-G, according to the subtitles file. That is, uh, I, I'll give you three options. Option one is, is it, does it just mean a bum or a hobo? Uh, is it a burglar or a safe cracker? Um, or is it a crazy man, a la like a Michigana? Uh, Aaron, uh, you got- do you have the... Do you have the context specifically, like the quote? Or do you, you know, I'm glad fun? you asked because Let's I have a subtitle file up right here. Um, I will read it to you. Uh, okay, so he's describing himself as cigarette, and he says, and A number one asks him, old cigarette? And he says, you remember Hee Haw Mike, all right? Oh, the old time yeg. Well, I uh, I ain't trying to scare you, but you ain't seen Mike around, I guess. And then he implies that he killed him in Texas. So it is A one A number one describing this unknown character, Hee Haw Mike. <laughs> As a an old time yeg, uh, tell me what you think that means. Was that a bum slash hobo, a burglar, safe cracker, robber, or a crazy man? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go B. Uh, I, I think B was B. my first choice as well because I think that um, wasn't uh, he how Mike actually shot full of bullets in um, Frisco is what a number one says, which sounds like something that would happen to a robber, but in the interest of covering slightly the spread or just differentiating myself, I'll go with C. You'll go with C crazy man. Yeah, sure. Why okay. Not? Uh, a yeg is a burglar slash safe cracker slash, slash robber. Number B was the answer. It first appeared in print in English around nine, excuse me, 1873, but it's etymology is actually unknown, unknown why somebody would be called a yeg, but that's one point for Aaron. I, 
really should know how to use this, how to do this whole Thanks thing. Thanks for trying to cover the spread. Yeah, I really no, do you know, appreciate I that. I get it. Too, the honorable thing to do. Uh, I'm going I'm going snail mail with this. Sorry, Cody. Um, You're not a yank. Aaron gets one. Harry is sitting on a big old egg himself. We have, uh, next, we have the term. Uh, sorry, I'll, I'll describe the context first. The bum to whom A number one attests that he rode Shaq's train near the beginning of the movie, just before Cigarette claims the same, gathers the other bums of the camp to share the news, saying, come on, open up, you stew bums and alky stiffs. Get in here, open up, you shovel bums, fakers, mushers, and gray cats. I'm hoping that I haven't said any incredibly terrible slurs in that, but I don't Almost certainly, but go on. <laughs> Almost certainly. Um, so that is, again, the term that I'm asking for is fakers. Uh, again, open up, you stew bums and alky stiffs, get in here, open up, you shovel bums, fakers, mushers, and gray cats. The word is spelled F-A-K-I-R. You should know that, at least in the subtitles file. Uh, give me the answer, Aaron, of is it an alternate spelling of the word faker, as in somebody who presents falsehoods for social or material benefit? Is it a Cockney English euphemism for a eunuch? Or is it an Arabic term referencing an ascetic lifestyle? I'm going to go B again. B being? If it's if it's C, I'm curious how that entered the vernacular of these characters, but We've got Aaron down B. for C. That, that would be like sorry, a, a Coen Brothers level, uh, like ironic insult if bums were calling each other fakirs, as in like an ascetic lifestyle devotee. I, that's the thing. Like, did Jason <laughs> make that up? I, but I could see it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we, we've got I Aaron think, down for for the Cockney, Cockney English euphemism for eunuch, correct? Yeah, I think uh, again, in the interest of differentiating myself and just not overthinking it, I'm just going to go with A. I think it's probably just faker. Sure. Yeah. We have Harry Down is guessing it is the word faker and Aaron as cockney. It is, in fact, an Arabic term, I mean, referencing an ascetic lifestyle. <laughs> uh, it, refer- it is derived from okay. the word fakir in Islamic term, tra- traditionally used for Sufi Muslim aesthetics, ascetics, sorry, who renounce their worldly possessions and dedicate their lives to the worship of God. Dude. Yeah, that's pretty fucking do you think, rad. Do you think hobos actually called each other that? Because that is such a funny joke. Like I, ho- I hope big, they really big did. Big ups to hobos in that case, I mean, because like I said, that's like a Coen Brothers script joke. Among words like shovel bums, mushers, and gray cats, yeah, fakers is incredibly. It's just a shovel top bums name. gotta be a very that's got that has some very dark connotations if you think about it. You, you know mean, what I mean? You might you got mean, mud on your butt. You know what I mean? Uh, have, oh, like you poop have, on your oh shoveling. Oh, I thought it was have, like I mean, you, you bums who use shovels, but no, wow, like scraping your butthole. Uh, could be sure, it could be a grave mm. digger. Uh, well, nobody hey, picked hey, up a point on that. Tell one. me, buddy, I'm not running the quiz. Yeah, I didn't look up the meanings of every single word. I'm not Cody here, uh, but neither of y'all banked a point, leaving us at Aaron at one and Harry at zero. Uh, as we move into our third word, which is uh, in the context of the movie. Again, another bum is calling to a number one, asking him to try something that he's, ooh, sorry, a little sauced, try something that he's prepared at his little uh, bum station. He says, come on over and has some of my mulligan. I've been brewing it for three days. You've never tasted the like. Uh, come on over and have some of my mulligan. I've been brewing it for three days. You've never tasted the like. I couldn't make up more, so I only have two on this one. You have a 50% chance of getting it right. Congratulations. Um, Aaron, do you think that mulligan in this context means a stew popular among homeless communities, or is it a reference to a kind of hobo moonshine made with any readily available grain and sugar? Uh, So basically stew or booze. 
You're, I want to say it is the first one, but your 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 definition of the second one sounded more professionally written. Uh, Am I that bad at this game? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's but also you you write for a living, so I can see maybe you uh-huh. overshooting. I'm gonna go with maybe a, I'm just bad at writing for a living. I think it is one of those stews where you just toss everything in and you get all the flavors that come out over time. And it's one of those perpetual stews where you just keep adding stuff. Okay. Just, okay. Yeah. Okay. So Harry, uh, do we, are we going to stew or booze for the word? Mulligan? I'm pretty confident it's booze. I'm pretty sure that in the context of well, that scene, fuck. that's the thing that would <laughs> make sense. Yeah. Maybe I I'm forgot just a bad... what happened in that yeah, scene. Writing is my job, but maybe I'm just bad at it. Aaron. Is that the thing maybe they fed to the, that. wait, is that thing they fed to the cop? Maybe. Uh, that it, it wasn't could, the, that been, was a later really scene. They, did, yeah, they, didn't, say the, camp, they didn't say the word, but it's very possible because, in fact, the word mulligan does mean stew. Uh, and mulligan stew is broadly oh. defined as a stew that can be made using minimal ingredients in cookware, made with odds and ends or any available ingredients like potatoes, onions, bread, salt, pepper, and sometimes, if they're lucky, meat. If they're lucky or really, 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 really evil people, I guess. Uh, so that is another one for Aaron on the board. We've got one for Aaron. We got two for Aaron. Zero for Harry still as we head into, let me see how many of these I pulled. I pulled another three. So it's still, in fact, anybody's game. Yes, Jesus I get Christ, to do that. All right. it's, yeah, it's not going to go on that much longer. Our third word is woman. Uh, opening a lock on the train, one of the hobos says, easy smile. It's this. like a woman opens wide with an easy touch. Is it a reference to a type of oyster, uh, shellfish commonly found in shallow salt water and known Come to on, be man. home to precious pearls? Uh, is on, it a reference man. to human sex and gender? Or is it a variety of flower with petals that remain closed until agitated by bees and other pollinators? Uh, again, uh, Aaron, would you tell me it, it, your best guess for the word woman? I'm going to go B, and I'm going to say that even if I'm wrong, I will argue on it clearly being a double entendre, and I will be very upset. If So I've got if Aaron down as not- guessing B, a reference to human sex and gender. Um, Harry, do you have any guess on the word woman? Again, the context is easy smile. It's like a woman opens wide with an easy touch. And this is absurd. Oh, I, I think it has to be a right. I don't. I don't understand what Aaron could possibly be alluding to here. I, a, I think just that for it the definitely sounds like a. Just for the listener's benefit, again, option A is a reference to an oyster, a, co- a shellfish. Excuse me, shellfish commonly found in shallow salt water and known to be home to precious pearls. So, Harry, have you gotten down for a? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Thank you. So the actual definition, uh, or rather reference, is, uh, yes, it is, in fact, a reference to human sex and gender. Uh, in Western society, oh. women have been myopically uh, defined as adult humans who inherit a pair of X chromosomes from their Harry, parents. But doing? the social <laughs> definition uh, of woman is much wider than the prescriptive Western idea, including women whose gender identity does not align with their sex assignment at birth, including trans women and intersex women whose sex characteristics may not fit digit traditional notions of female biology. So thank you both for playing. That is one more for Aaron. Uh, we have Aaron at three. Harry, uh, nobody goes down. Uh, but I, I will say, yeah, no, it's, it's no longer anybody's game. But let's play anyway. Uh, this next term on the list is a bum reporting to, excuse me, reporting that a number one is in fact the hobo who did ride Shaq's train just while Cigarette is trying to claim that he was. Reports his name is on the tower. I seen it. The Gink said he'd come in on the nineteen. The Gink. G I N K. I know it's it's it sounds like a slur. I think that's Promise the, uh, think uh, the mascot that. of Domino's Pizza, right? Uh, <laughs> get get ginked. I think is the the tagline, right? It's like that weird little orange guy that everybody's afraid of. Oh fuck! Uh, is it Aaron a term for an old or inexperienced excuse me or experienced hobo gink? Is it the train staff responsible for greasing the journal box, or is it a foolish and contemptible person? Again, old hobo, 
a journal box greaser or contemptible person. Can you read the quote one more time? The quote is, his name is on the tower. I seen it. The gink said he'd come in on the 19. Um, it was old hobo journal box person or a contemptible or foolish person. I'm going to say old hobo. Okay. Aaron, we got you down as old hobo. Uh, Harry, what are you, what are you picking? Um, I think I'm going to go with B because don't they, don't they write it with like grease on the side of the, um, yeah, the tower. Like so like yeah. maybe that's what that refers to. Okay. Uh, so a gink is in fact just a foolish or contemptible person, everybody. It really is just one of those terms. I even looked up what the journal box really was. It is a mechanical subassembly under a train that contains bearings to transfer weight to the wheels. Uh, but that was a misdirection. In fact, I didn't even get to pull it out. Uh, you guys went too easily for it. Uh, that's no points for either of you. A gink is just a foolish or contemptible Sorry. person, which in this fact makes both of you the ginks of this podcast. Thank you so much. Last one, everybody right, is. Point. There's simply, there's simply no way that's not a racially charged slur. I mean, I, there's. It's. It I, was so hard to Google I some of these. Can't like, wait to get a new co-host <laughs> once Jason is yeah, kicked to the curb. I'll still produce it. You guys just, I'm not on mic anymore. Uh, it's problematic. I'm still reaping the, the benefits. I'm actually still paying. Anyway, um, uh, when Shaq is trying. Sorry, the last one, everybody. When Shaq is trying to leave the train yard quickly, so A number one can't hop on board, he yells to the yard manager that he won't be going yard speed. I'm going to highball. Highball is being the term. Aaron, is it a reference to the speedometer on a train? Is it a reference to a train track signal? Or is it a reference to the drink? Or fourth bonus, is it a reference to the boilers on steam locomotives and the, uh, the dial that would show them how much pressure is in the steam boiler? Yeah. So I know, I know that when I was on Wikipedia earlier, there was a sentence about them trying to highball it uh, to make the train go really fast through the stop so that the hobos didn't have time to jump on. And there was a hyperlink for that, and I did click on it, and it led to not uh, uh, a specific page for that term, but led to a specific type of train. So now I'm very confused. Can you give me all four again, and then I will All four again, answer. one. Reference to the speedometer, like the actual thing that a conductor would be looking at to tell the speed as they're going through. Is it a reference to a train track signal that they use that would tell them if they're allowed to go fast or not? Is it a reference to the drink? Or is it a reference to the boilers on a steam locomotives, which had sort of an apparatus similar to the one that I'm describing for a speedometer? I'm going to say one or two. I'm going to say, I guess, I'm going to say the fucking speedometer seems like, I'm going to go what was B again? B is a train track signal. I'm gonna go B. Yeah. Okay. Harry? Uh, I think I think D is the coolest answer, so I'm gonna go sure. with that one. Welcome I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That is so much fun. Uh wait, D? D being the um the bonus one that you said. The the last one. Boilers. The one with the yeah, the boilers. Okay, so a highball is, in fact, a train track signal given to indicate the train has permission from the station to proceed at full speed. It is a white sphere mounted on a pole and located next to the railroad tracks to signal permission for the train to proceed at full speed if the ball is at the top of the pole being high ball. And when you say you're going to highball, it means you're just going to go ram right through. So thank you, everybody, for playing. That is one more for Aaron. He gets he uh, charts with four points in uh, this edition of no but, but listen, what did I get, Jason? 
the moral Goose high ground. Egg, right? Hey, it's almost like I'm the emperor of the North Pole. What's <gasps> up? Was this yeah. my plan no, that's, all along? That's, you're, Who you're can the say? Least knowledgeable. You're king, the least king knowledgeable. Nothing. About Listen, the you're both you're both hobos, and Aaron's just the older, wiser, more experienced one. <laughs> Look, uh, folks, the reason that I won this is that I, I have, uh, uh, you know, uh, played all of the Thief games, which all of the NPCs talk with British accents and this kind of, oh, we'll go on down to the pub and have a happy time, you know, and they do that kind of thing. And I like to think that immersing myself, sort of like an immersive language experience and that kind of kind of cockney, uh, very stupid talk uh, has led me to, to be able to win at this quiz game. So... This yeah, is I set in America, once, so yeah. uh, Aaron. Sorry. No, I know, but it, this game's it's all, this it's all this movie set in America, slang, right? It's all it's got to be all Cockney slang. All those terms have to be originated, right? Am I wrong? Except for Faker, there? I guess. No. Well, they, <laughs> except for that one. Yes. <laughs> I'm never going to forget that. Uh, thank you so it's much, listeners, for joining uh, this fun little silly ending of the episode bit, and for joining the overall episode. Check out this movie again. You'll find a link in the show notes to at least one version of this on the Internet Archive. I cannot believe that there were multiple actual full versions of this movie on that, but that is full, legal, and free. Find a subtitles file. That's not illegal. It's like torrenting something you already own. Totally not illegal. Uh, check it out online if you can't see it at the trial on. I don't know how you're supposed to watch it otherwise, but hey, check it out if you can, if you like what we've been talking about. Um, and check out anything at the trial on. There's a Sam Peckinpah series coming up. There's a Maggie Chung series. There's just a lot of cool stuff always playing. No spoilers, but we're trying to put together a fun little one-off, one-day, one-night thing with some friends, uh, which we'll keep everybody in the loop on um, sometime later this spring. Could be fun. Uh, but hey, what you can rely on is another episode of Trial of here next week, next Tuesday, if, uh, you know, inshallah, so to speak. You can check us out at Trial of Podcast on Twitter. You can find the Trial on at Trial on Cinema and at Trial on.org. You can find me, my name is Jason Daphnis, on Twitter at Nintendoofus. I've been Harry Mack, and you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry. Uh, and I've been Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at Arden, please. 2023, the height of the Great Depression. Podcasters roamed the land, riding the rails in a desperate search for clout. Spurned by society, unwanted and homeless, they became a breed apart. Nomads who scorned the law and enforced their own. Dedicated to their destruction was the producer man who stood between them and their only source of survival. The takes. That a train runs out of steam, it's gonna stop. But it's a different story when a man runs out of steam. He still can go a long, long way On nothing but a dream Going across the country When a train runs out of track It has to stop and turn around And then start heading back but many miles from nowhere, out where all the tracks are gone, a man who's got himself a dream can still keep going on. So don't try to stop me, don't try to stop me, cause nobody can. A beautiful dream and that makes
Makes me a man. 